If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's <Yeah. laughs> The love that they show for you, the dedication is is quite astounding. I mean, it, it I'd say it, it rivals no agenda um, fanaticism. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with the Podfather himself, Adam Curry, the guy who made this all possible. Um, well, I guess we didn't know about Adam Curry yet when we started our show, but we found out about him very shortly after when we based our value for value. I mean, that those guys are the reason we're value for value. So we got him on the show. It's a fantastic show. And of course we got Graham, uh, Graham Dunlop over there. <laughs> he but said he started. You got to get back. To, I think people miss the Graham, the, you know, you used to, you used to say some comical thing about me every time. Graham, the mispronunciator. Graham, the mispronunciator Dunlop. That's what um, karma feels like, yeah. I don't mind it, though. It just flows off our back. So big, uh, big Merry Christmas. I mean, this is what a Christmas week this has been for us. I mean, Adam Curry coming out on Christmas Day, Randall Carlson and Bradley Young on Christmas Eve and our other on our other show, Grand America Outlawed, where we talk about... Uh, uh, breakthrough technologies and um, the ranting from the skeptoids about uh, Graham Hancock's ancient apocalypse show. It's it's Randall like just rants for a while about that. It's fantastic. And then of course we get into that uh, Ben Malcolm Bendall's breakthrough technology for uh, driving cars with water instead of gas. So pretty interesting stuff. And of course, no agenda. I mean, big shout out to those guys for the shout out that we got at last episode. I've been hearing from all my friends. Oh, you had Curry on. Good, good. I was kind of hoping it for to be a surprise, but um, thank you to everybody supporting us over the years and, and sort of giving Adam and John shout outs from America. Like we really appreciate it. Obviously that made a big difference, right? You know, we do have a pretty good crossover community and, and we appreciate everybody who is listening. Yeah, and John's been willing to come on again, but we wanted to have Adam on first. So now, you know, maybe we can start getting these guys on a little more regularly. It sounds like Adam's going to come back. So, you know, yeah. be good. we do know we have a ton of no agenda people in the audience. So I, I think it was a unique chat with Adam. I think it was it was good to get into some like um, of his background, maybe some techniques like what he does, how he's sort of. Uh, how they've sort of developed this deconstructive method of the mainstream media. I called him a, a master collator. I think he's, he's a brilliant, he's a brilliant guy who can collate like just huge amounts of information. And, and I mean, they really put together an awesome show. So if you want sort of like a taste of the mainstream um, and the deconstruction aspect, listen to no agenda for sure. It's fantastic. And, you know, I mean, it's hard work for them. I mean, how, how would you, how would you like listening to the mainstream news and then deconstructing it all the time? I mean, I don't know how they do it. They're creating value for sure. And we staying like positive though. Like, I mean, I'd be fucking pulling my hair out, dude. 
You are pulling your hair out. I hear one little fucking clip from Dr. Teresa Tam about, you know, her calling up Mrs. Santa Claus and I'm losing my shit. Look at your hair. I can see where you grab it. I know. I know. <laughs> I just I just combed it back after the bath. So I <laughs> Did you have salts in there? I did have salts in the bath, yeah. And some oils. What kind of oils? Tea tree and thieves. Just to try and keep the my my cold away and the sinuses. I like to. (laughs) I just put coconut oil once in a while. I'm comfortable with my my bath my bath metrosexuality. My bathing bathing techniques. (laughs) Right on. Well, we need support too. We're a value for value show. And uh, we talk about it with Adam, of course, but, you know, maybe we haven't been talking about it enough. If you guys are getting some value from our show, this episode, like 580, maybe 580 podcasts. And uh, I mean, all free, all free, all there. And the hope is that if you guys like them and they're adding some value to your drive to work or to your day at work, or maybe you're listening at the gym, wherever you're listening we need some support. If you're getting some value from the show, you let us know. Head over to grimerica.ca slash support. Make us a monthly donation is the best. If you can sign up for that monthly or you can do the one-time donation, that's just as appreciated. But, um, you know, support's been dwindling over the last year. It's been a rough year for us over here in Grimerica. So maybe we can start the new year out by showing us that you do appreciate our work over here. And head over to grimerica.ca slash support this week signing up for a monthly or making a one-time donation. And we will be super grateful. And we realize it's tough economic situation right now. Of course. I mean, I quit my job to do this and thank God for our audiobooks to keep things kind of rolling a little bit uh, to support the podcasting. But uh, you know, there's other ways to va- contribute value too. You could, you could rate us five stars in iTunes or whatever, whatever program you're using to offset that nasty one star we got a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you could send me emails, Graham at stories, synchronicities, sightings, spiritual experiences, psychedelic trip reports, all that stuff that we like to read on these intros while we do this lazy rambling. Because Adam Adam's uh, episode will come out uh, in a few minutes here after we do finish our little housekeeping and stuff. Maybe what do Darren will have a timestamp in the in the in the show notes there to if you want to skip past all this bullshit and get right to Adam. But uh, yeah. Got some stuff to talk about in here in the meantime. Do we? I I, uh, do, yeah. I carpeted the old studio. You carpeted the we old studio. We should have just carpeted it from the get-go. I didn't know it didn't have carpet. Or we just put all those shitty like area rugs down. We had like three different area rugs. Oh. You mean but, the like the, the little the place we used to do it at? You mean like the in my basement, yeah. What are you What are you gonna do with that room now? Madison has already moved in. Wow, she. Wow, what? She's been chomping at the bit. Wow, why? Well, because I told her I was gonna move the studio upstairs a while back, after you stopped coming. So, um, she's been just kind of hounding me ever since. Why didn't you move the studio to her old room then? Well, I don't know. It seems like the kids need the space more than I do these days. You know. You're there. I'm here. I don't really want, with the stuff we started getting into on Outlawed and the way the world's going, I don't really want anyone to know where I live anywhere anymore anyway, so we're not really doing the in-studio thing like we used to, so it just, you know. And I mean, we've got the ability now with the technology, we've got 
you know, the stuff we need that we can both do it from home. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now I, it's I mean, nice because my whole workflow comes from one space, my editing yeah. and my day job stuff and uh, the podcast stuff just tucks away around the corner. Yeah, you're not bouncing all over three places in the house, you know. I'm not running up and down the stairs all the time. And it was just an awful waste of the, this is probably the biggest bedroom in the house next to the master, even though that's racist now. Um, the okay. slave suites are a little smaller. <laughs> but the one in the basement is pretty good, so it was just kind of cold. So, But with the carpet in there and the underlay, it makes a big difference. So she is stoked. She moved in last night, slept down there last night. Wow, cool. It's kind of like a little Christmas gift, I suppose. And your and, other one's okay for like just getting left upstairs. I mean, I'm I'm surprised that they wanted to move so far apart from each other for for his bedroom as far as bedrooms are concerned. Yeah, well, they see an awful lot of each other. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. Cassandra slept down there last night, so. Oh, okay. They don't get that sick of each other. But I'm going to transition that whole basement into the kids' space. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. So they're getting to yeah. the age they need. Way more they space. They need space, yeah, yeah. And I need a place to hide out. But I was only using it like three hours a week because I didn't edit in there. I was literally just recording the interviews and the intros in there. It was just like, what a waste. Now I'm, I feel better up here. I feel like the audio really came together. I was able to ditch a lot of stuff along the way because you're not here anymore, so we're not running three or four different inserts. So it really, I think it cleaned up the sound a little bit. I think I've got the audio to the level now that people can't really tell you're not here. That's good. Nice. But maybe they'll tell us we're liars. Well, there is the interaction part. Like, it is harder to interact online, you know? Yeah. But that's okay. You, you don't like to interact with real-life people anymore. No, and I mean, honestly, I might be moving way away anyways, and you might be moving away, so who knows, right? It's better that we just set it up like this anyways. Yeah, well, I'm going to go to a farm eventually anyways, and yeah. So, it was inevitable. We might as well just get used to it. So, what do you got for us, Graham? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I've been looking at these, uh, prop oh my God, uh, operation David projects. I mean, I love, Dvorak calls things an op all the time now, which is, is really funny. Um, we do, on these intros, sometimes we do like an operation project segment. I've been keeping like a long list of like things that are like secret operations and projects. So I was thinking about one, you know, in, in regards to the mainstream media, no agenda and all that. And of course, you know, I was looking at, well, do we talk about Mockingbird? But that's so, so done. So I started doing searches. And of course, what pops up is Tavistock, right? The Tavistock Institute of Human one, Relations. Is that one in the jingle? What's that noise? Looks military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified too. Dishfire, Prism, Sentry Eagle, Sigma, Mannerkin, Artichoke, MK Ultra. Operation Project. So, <laughs> this is going to make its way to Operation Phoenix, interestingly enough. But it starts at Operation Disclosure Official, which is a conspiracy website talking about all this stuff. Is but Phoenix it took the me... one where the shit gets trashed every 138 years? No, that's a totally different one. I mean, that's that's like that's coming up on Outlawed, actually. Uh, in two weeks' time, it'll be out. That's America with Arca Ar that's with Archaics. Jason Brashear is talking about the Phoenix event or the Phoenix phenomena. But this is actually an Operation Phoenix um, in regards to Tavistock. So. 
it's, oh man, it's, it's tough because so I ended up finding this video from 2011 from, um, Iona Miller. She's done all this, this deep work in spiritual stuff and, uh, and with the secret societies and the Tavistock and all this. And of course it led me to Courtney, Courtney Turner's stuff. She's got, I've got a link in the show notes for her. Cause she's been doing a lot of uh, work on this. And she found one of the books from the early 1900s, like a thick textbook from Tavistock. The problem with a lot of these conspiracy things is it's kind of hard to really pin them down to when they, when they're sort of making engineering changes to our society. You know what I mean? Like even HG Wells book that I, that I read right now, it's not out in audio, but it's called the open conspiracy. So he talks about an open conspiracy and propaganda, but of course, both those terms propaganda and conspiracy meant something completely different in the early 1900s, right? Propaganda wasn't so manipulative and conspiracy wasn't so evil. He was just really using that word as in, Hey, this is an open, we're getting together to change the world. And half of the stuff he talks about, I agree with. I mean, he talks about freedom and freedom of speech and expression and debate and dialogue, which obviously doesn't seem to to go with what's happening nowadays. But he also does talk about, uh, he pushes back against socialism and communism, but he also wants a connected global non-warring world. But he doesn't mention like any of these other institutions like Tavistock and all that, which is kind of interesting. I, do, I think he does mention uh, English Royal Society and some others like that. So I'll read a little bit from this website, uh, if you don't mind, from Operation Disclosure, which also links to Final Wake Up Call. But then I'll but then I'll uh, I'll kind of I'll kind of finish it off with a couple other documents that are kind of more uh, pointing to what's going on. So they call this thing the greatest mass mind control operation in world history. Established in 1921 by Luciferian Jesuit agents serving the Vatican, the One World Empire. The sole purpose of Tavistock then and now is to devise methods of mind control in order to socially engineer the masses and subservience and ultimate slavery. So they call it a psychological, um, it is a psychological warfare research center created in 1922. One of its remits was to develop ways to influence the ideologies of mass populations. The reason why I'm I'm skeptical about saying like, you know, that it, putting all the blame on them is because who's them? Tavistock. Like or or these types because like Who owns when, Tavistock? What? Never mind, I'll check. The, well, go ahead. The, the the Jesuits. I mean, the well, Jews? see the thing is that now oh, Is there a difference between oh, the I Jews and know. the Jesuits? I don't I don't think so. In that context, I don't think so. But anyways. And that is it a these, derogatory the, context? <laughs> No, 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 not derogatory, just factual. They own a lot of stuff. Just some Jews. Like, I don't want to get us kicked off of YouTube here. These aristocrats Joe decided- Lewis. Joe Lewis owns the Joe Tavistock group. No, you got to be careful. There's a whole bunch of Tavistock things out there. You got to make sure you're at the at the Tavistock Institute. It's Tav Institute is the actual website. So it's not uh, an investment firm? No, probably not. I don't know why you would name anything Tavistock after everything they've done in the last hundred years. But anyways, so the aristocrats decided that the death of Queen Victoria, the matriarch of the Venetian black Guelphs, that in order to gain worldwide control, it would be necessary for its aristocratic members to go into business with the non-aristocratic but extremely powerful leaders of corporate business on a global scale. And so the doors to ultimate power were opened to what the Queen of England likes to refer to as the commoners. 
Further, the Institute developed a strategy of crisis creation to manipulate mass populations by sponsoring a number of sensitivity and diversity programs designed to erase a people's individuality to make them team players. And then it goes into political correctness. Political, political correctness is all about creating uniformity. Individuality is one of the biggest obstacles for the new world order. They want a public that is predictable and conditioned to comply without asking questions. So Dr. Lewin at Tavistock published the theory of topological psychology, which is to this day the world's most advanced method of behavior modification, i.e. brainwashing. And then there's a quote here from the psychopath Bertrand Russell, 1872 to 1970. He stated what was needed was a world populated by docile, easily manipulated and demoralized subjects. Russell regarded mankind as being slightly above the level of cattle. He said, The social psychologists of the future will have a number of classes of school children on whom they will try different methods of producing an unshakable conviction that snow is black. And then they create these psychological shock troops. So by the end of the war, the combined influence of Tavistock and former Frankfurt school operatives had created a cadre of psychological shock troops and cultural warriors numbering in the several thousands. Today, the net, that network is in the several millions around the world. Key people are put into influential positions as a public-private overlay prevails in this system. They use tightly controlled mass media to induce regressive mental states, atomizing individuals and producing increased lability known as brainwashing. In other words, creating passivity by fostering alienation. So, I mean, it really is like, it's fascinating because it does, it seems to really make a lot of sense, but I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to point to like, you know what I mean? Like exact things that they do. I I, I don't know. Do they hide it well? Or are we just... I don't know. Anyways, here's a quote from Huxley to Orwell. Within the next generation, I believe that the world's leaders will discover that infant conditioning and narco-hypnosis are more efficient as instruments of government than clubs and prisons, and that the lust for power can be just as completely satisfied by suggesting people into their loving servitude as by flogging them and kicking them into obedience. So, I mean, they only make, I looked at the, the website, the current website, and they only get like 2.5 million revenue from, from charities every year. Like they're not a huge, huge institute anymore. And I think what they've done is they've obviously had to pare all this down. Like they've probably created, you know, networks and networks upon other sort of NGOs and charities that do a lot of this work. I mean, that's one of the topics I want to do a real deep dive on, on our show is, is, um, Charities, NGOs, and um, uh, nonprofits, you know? Are we allowed to do that? I think those are the new secret societies, you know? In the, in the old days, they were meeting on the street in secret societies and reading rooms and all this. And now it's just in these open sort of non-governmental organizations. Or like, I think it was Adam that said on Last No Agenda. It, on What did he do? Take the, he took the non out. So now it's just governmental organizations or he took the government out and it's just, yeah. Anyways, it's non-organization, non-organization. I don't know. I think he took the non out. Or if I had to guess what we offer, we are engaged with evaluation and action research, organizational development and change consultancy, executive coaching and professional development 
all in service of supporting sustainable change and ongoing learning. I don't get it. So what's your take when you read that? The uh, modern, the modern Tavistock web stuff. I don't know what the fuck they're up to. Legit, well, it doesn't, it's hard to tell. It just seems like, Hey, this is like business coaching and um, executive training and, and uh, you know, helping this sustainable world. Like it really does seem couched in fairly tame language. Like you can't just point to it and go, Oh, they're fucking engineering the world. But they are. Are, are they, they though? I don't know. I'm so asking. here. Okay. So I went to, uh, this led me to psychological wiki, psychology wiki. And this website, which is um, psychology.fandom.com. It talks about them. I'm going to find the place here on here. It's so weird, dude, because it talks about how the Second World War saw many of these Tavistock professional staff joining the armed services as psychiatric specialists, introducing radical new methods of selecting officers using the so-called leaderless group as an instrument to observe which men could take responsibility for others by being aware of their preoccupations rather than simply by giving orders. Um, it talked about how they made, they did make a significant contribution to understanding the traumatic effects of shell shock and how it could be treated by psychotherapy. Um, so get this, the Tavistock clinic is now a British national health service. It's a trust offering psychotherapy and other mental health services. So I think what happened is, and I'll, I'll get into the Operation Phoenix, but it, it morphed after the Second World War. Um, it talks about uh, R.D. Lang is one of the prominent psychiatrists who was associated with the Institute. Lang, who also served in the British Army Psychiatric Unit, became well-known and highly controversial for his experimentation with LSD. And his views on schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. So that's kind of interesting that they do talk about all that in a cycle, like a real sort of psychology uh, website. And then I go to this other one that talks about this post-war transformation, Operation Phoenix. So by the end of the war, so get this. I mean, this, this is kind of, I think, where it gets creepy, right? So by the end of the war, a considerable number of psychiatrists and social scientists have become involved in this comprehensive set of innovative applications and these concepts of social psychiatry. They saw in these approaches a significance which does not seem to be limited by the condition of war. So they're thinking, hmm, and we're determined to explore their relevance for the civilian society. So obviously they want to take some of these concepts, you know, out of the war environment and bring them into to the civil environment. Obviously, individual programs could not be transferred without considerable modification. Entirely new lines of development would have to be worked out. But they, so they had an action-oriented philosophy of relating psychiatry and the social sciences to society and had become a reality in practice. So this event signified the social engagement of social science. And what they did is they, they transformed afterwards with Operation Phoenix. So they, they had these uh, new questions now arose. Who would be the next pioneers? Who would accept the risks, which were great? Could a setting be found that could nurture the new endeavors? An answer to these questions came about in the following way. So they, the existence of a democratic tradition in the Tavistock Clinic made possible by the election 
by the election of the whole staff through a post a postal ballot of an interim planning committee. So they created this committee. They let go of a whole bunch of people from the past in the war and in the autumn of 45 to work out a, a redefinition of the clinic's mission in light of the experiences gained during the war. So they actually started up based on Rockefeller grants. So this is where the interesting part comes in um, of the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations. So Rockefeller is involved in this project, Operation Phoenix. So then, of course, it led me to this book that I wanted to do on audio for a long time. I've been talking to you about I think you and I looked at it for a while. It was from John Coleman um, called the, T- the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations. He's one of the foremost uh, sort of researchers and authors on this. I think he passed away a few years ago. So he's talking about like the Weather Channel guy. No, no, I don't think so. No, that's uh, you're thinking of Patrick. uh, Patrick, I think Patrick Moore, maybe. No, no, that was the Greenpeace guy. No, it's not the same guy. So he's talking about like uh, mass communications ushering in the polling industry, the making of public opinion. Do we have what H.G. Wells called an invisible government? Um, this is on Amazon. You can find this book available, available. It's not on audio though. Um, how times were made to change is history being repeated. So he gets into like the details of that, but I don't know. It is a tough one, but I do think it's worth researching and check out, uh, Courtney Turner's uh, podcast. She does a, a couple deep dives on this. There you have it. Of course, all that'll be in the show notes as usual. Oh, I have a quote in there for you. In here? You found a quote? Yeah. It's the profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? I'm not sure if this is two quotes or uh, or one quote. Can you turn that buzzing uh, thing off for a sec? Um, Same person. So I'll, 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 yeah, I'll put them both together. Um, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, We are dominated by the small number of persons who understand the mental processes and social patterns of the masses. They pull the wires which control the public mind, harness old social forces, and contrive new ways to bind and guide the world. (laughs) Brzezinski? No. Damn it. It's close. Starts with a B. Was, uh, who's the propaganda guy? Yeah, yeah. Bernays? Yeah. (laughs) Here's another one for you. I think you know who this is, though. The individual comes face-to-face with a conspiracy so monstrous, he cannot believe it exists. The American mind has not come to a realization of the evil which has yet, which has been introduced into our midst. It rejects even the assumption that human creatures could espouse a philosophy which must ultimately destroy all that is good and decent. FDR. No. 
<laughs> he said that. I think last time I did this quote for you, he said that. Hoover. Right. FBI guy. He ran yeah, the FBI for, for like, 37 years. Was it 37? Oh, my God. Yeah, I think they introduced wonder, term limits because of him. I wonder what uh, he would have thought of uh, the FBI being so involved in Twitter and Facebook and all that these days. I mean, is that his legacy his or do you think? I don't know. Dude was a dirty motherfucker. I bet you was up to all sorts of shady shit. You don't think so? Where uh, the I, hell? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I guess so, but I just don't see it as I. I maybe I'm just uh, I can't uh, see it being which, as politicized as it is now, like as partisan. I mean, I it was just secretly partisan. I, I there guess, is no partisan I, though. It's all the same team. It's just it's a uniparty. It's a uniparty that's just trying to fool us. So, social media this week is that my my appeal. Oh, good. You, oh, I'm glad you remembered to, to do this. Can you turn that buzzing off for a second? I don't know what, what else I can do at this point. <laughs> um, I've unplugged everything. I've unplugged it. I've turned it down. Uh, our, my appeal has been, Elon answered my appeal. Elon and Elon with a, uh, he's rejected it. Spoiler alert. Oh my God. Where can now? we met? Let's for, before you get into that, can you talk, talk about why you were suspended? I got suspended for telling Rachel Notley, who's a leader. So she's the, an old politician and, and she's uh, a leader an of the opposition party, leader of the opposition party, which is the NDP, the socialists. That if she kept getting, that she was going to keep getting booster shots. And then I said, until you stroke out. And that was the one. They sent it back to me and said that I was inciting hate speech. So I'm just looking for the, I had the picture of the, here it is here. Hello, Grimerica. Your account has been suspended and will not be restored because it was found to be violating the Twitter terms of service. Specifically, the Twitter rules against participating in targeted abuse. In order to ensure that people feel safe expressing diverse opinions, except my opinions, and beliefs on our platform, we do not tolerate abusive behavior. This includes inciting other people well, to engage in the targeted harassment. You weren't. This someone. is all bullshit. I mean, you're trying to save her life. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe they went took a forensic look at my history. <laughs> is all I can think of. So, of course, I did have the burner. I had made another account from a different phone because Elon had blocked my phone from making new accounts, and that everything was going fine over there. And then they got me. Can you 
here, here's an idea. Can you tell him your BIPOC? Can you send him your Indian card? I mean, like Adam said on the No Agenda show there, he's like, yeah, you get away with all kinds of stuff. So here we go. Hello. You can't do that? You can't do that? So I'm, You can't say I can't, I'm an Indian? I can't, I can't do They're hate speech. I'm an Indian. They can help me. Maybe can black people get kicked off of Twitter? I think they can. Um, so I made the Grand Americano account. And yeah. here's the thing. <laughs> I might have said something notely, but I specifically. On your too? You know yes. what somebody said to us? He's like, don't engage the politicians. Like, but just I kept don't it, engage like, the pretty politicians. pretty tame this time, you know? I was like, because I know, I know. So I'm just like, I kept it super tame. Like nothing worse than everyone else was saying. And I got this. Hello, Grand Maricano. <laughs> your account has been suspended and will not be restored. Because it was found to be violating the Twitter terms of service. Specifically, the Twitter rules against managing multiple Twitter accounts for abuse of purposes. <laughs> you can learn more about our rules, blah, 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 blah. Please note that creating new accounts to evade this suspension will also go against the Twitter rules and result in additional account suspensions. And I made that from a different phone with a different phone number and a different SIM card and the whole nine yards. So I don't know what they're tracking or how they're tracking it. Or if they just went because my name was Darren. Well, Bryce I mean, do you have email? Do you have emails and stuff in there? Or like, no, I got a bunch of emails. You know? Yeah, so you're just using completely yeah. different stuff, and dude, they nuked all my accounts: the Canadian Shame account gone, the Grand America FM account gone. I had a little Indian in the room account that I made and never did anything with. We were going to do that podcast with Kyle, and uh, that's gone. They nuked everything. Here's I can tell maybe if I did a VPN, I can have an account. I don't know. I'm I'm just getting super frustrated with this whole thing. I mean, is we Twitter do talk worth we a do, VPN. I don't think it is. I don't know. Do we talk about some people use VPNs all the time? I mean, I don't know. I could. Just, well, send us what you think is a good VPN that ain't gonna slow my shit down. I don't even want to know it's running. But That's I mean, it's kind of too late. I mean, you had your influence on the bigger Grimerica with 40,000 listeners or whatever. You know, you had, you had, you could talk to some people, you could get a hold of people. That was the main thing we used it for was to get a hold of guests and stuff. So now it's just getting frustrating because it's all gone. We, I mean, I guess we got our strike back from YouTube. So now we have one more strike on YouTube. I mean, I want to put some meditations on there and some other smaller videos. So now I guess we have a little bit of leeway there, but I mean, we can't use this platform for, you know, for marketing or helping grow our, our shit at all. And Instagram's completely shadow banned most of the time. I mean, I'm pretty tame on there and it's still just, you know, you can just see it just bogged down and getting no traction. And then all of a sudden you put some mainstream thing on there, even though you're making fun of Dr. Tam and Mrs. Claus, it gets a whole bunch of action. It's so crazy. Maybe you should make your thing to make fun of mainstream things. I'm, well, the, I'm going to do it. I just did. A, I just pulled a, Vi a Biden video down where he's, he's on stage with a mask and he keeps taking the mask off to save things. It's like you've got a mask on. Why does he have a mask it's on? It's just theater. Why, Why does he have a mask on? Because it's theater. It's all theater. Anyway, what is not theater is an interview with Adam coming up and our other podcast, GrandAmericaOutlaw.ca, if you want to check that out, where we take on a lot more controversial stuff. And it's already been kicked off YouTube and stuff, you know. But it's self-hosted, so we're not worried about it getting canceled, so we do whatever the fuck we want over there. 
AmericaOutlaw.ca, and we have all the audiobooks over at AdultBrain.ca. We have all our great events and tours and workshops over at ContactAtTheCabin.com. A fantastic event coming up in California where we're going to do some Shasta stuff and learn some magic and do some Wim Hof, all that sort of stuff. And it's going to be great. Probably smoke some weed too and, you know, look for UFOs, all that kind of weird stuff. I think that's about all we got in our lazy ramblings this week. We hope you guys enjoy the chat with the fabulous Adam Curry. Welcome to Gray America. Thanks for joining us. How you doing? I am full of remorse and shame and no. um, and just uh, feeling low that it has taken, uh, what is it, eight years? I'm going to no, say no, no, seven. No. Or, no, how many years no, has no. it been? Oh, geez. We, it well, has maybe been, five, I, six. I have been beaten to shit by so many people uh, and yelled at, and, and it has nothing to do with any... It, look, I have no oh, excuse. No, I no, have no, no excuse. No. I should have been here a long time ago, and I'm very, very happy. No, no, to be no, here. dude. I I can imagine how busy you are. I, I get lost in the in the schedule sometimes too, and I can't imagine. How no, no, no. But you have to understand. It's, it's your. It's so. not just your people that give me shit. It's my people that give me shit. It's yeah. our people that give me shit. Yeah, yeah. So, and and I just feel like a shit heel. So here I no. am. Gentlemen, right I'm so happy to be here. No, oh, that's awesome, dude. I mean, I was getting to the point. I was like, look, look, don't bug Adam. I don't want him bugged. Don't bug him. <laughs> I'll take care of it. Me and Adam are in communication. Don't worry about it. He'll come and look, on one and look, day. And like, look, and look, on this very show, the the absolute world premiere of my temporary teeth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nice chopper. Nice. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, you know what? They didn't the sound. Temps. It sounds very good. It sounds uh, very I have a, normal. I have a couple of issues. And these are temporary. So there's a bridge and it's all, you know, it's basically we went for the best sound that I could produce. And that's not, you know, some plate you put in your mouth. Yeah. That's got to be some other thing. TH comes out a little weird still. And there's a, and there's a little more uh, lip smacking happening. Dvorak pointed out the other day, oh, your lip smacking is back. Thanks, man. Um, uh, But otherwise, and this is, you know, in five months, it'll be permanent. And then we'll we'll never have to talk about it again. Well, listen, uh, I'm interested in your hearing. Has that still improved since you got your work done on your mouth? Yeah. So this is, uh, and I I can't really say it with any certainty, but, um, you know, that first impression when I put the headphones on after a week or so, or after 10 days, I'm like, whoa, I hear better. And this is because apparently... What I for a decade thought was allergies was really low level infection right, right. near the bone um, uh, on my uh, my molars. 
which leads right to your sinus. Okay. Wow. So I, I use those, uh, I tried out those um, bone conducting headphones, you know, those little ones that I tried. Mm-hmm, sure. I wanted something else to listen to podcasts through the day. So I put that on. I ended up on a long trip from Saskatchewan. I listened all day long, fairly loud because there was cats screaming in the fucking car. And, and the next day I had my, this infection that I had. I mean, I knew I had a tooth problem, mm-hmm. but it aggravated an infection so bad. I had to you spend. Were, you, were, you were vibrating it. Yep. Sure. Yeah. So, so you basically had the reverse. Yeah. And so what I noticed is, you know, um, and it, I kind of could have, I always thought that when we went to Austin, we go out to dinner. That's when my, my sinuses would start, my, my nose would start tearing up. And I was like, fucking Austin, man. It's just filled with shit in the air. I knew it. I knew we were good. It was good to leave Austin. Stinky, stinky. That was, is true. But it turns out that it was really just, I would be chewing on a great meal and yapping away and whatever. And so that would aggravate this a little bit more. And that would kick it off because now I have almost nothing. Wow. Um, except when, when I eat, cause now, you know, I'm, I'm gumming it here and there. It's a mess. I don't want to talk about it too yeah, much, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. um, but so the hearing is part of the same, the same, uh, you know, the same system. And I, I immediately felt that I was hearing better. I've had hearing aids for a couple of years now. Um, but I don't wear the hearing aids when I wear the headphones, I just crank it up to 11 plus. And I was like, Oh, I hear more high end immediately. So in about a month or so, I'm going to go to my audiologist here in town. He has a recent like five month old, uh, um, audiogram, uh, audiogram. So we'll overlay it and we'll see if it really got any better or not. And yeah. I think it did. It's, it's yeah. really, it's, it's amazing how that stuff's connected. Yeah. How did you great. find, that's- how did you find out about that? Because I had random allergies kick in. Like, um, it was been a long time now, like 15 years ago, I had random allergies kick in and I still, I'm on those like antihistamine pills constantly. Well, I didn't know it until they did this CT scan of me. And the technology these days is, is pretty amazing, the stuff they do. I mean, I have never really known the inside of a doctor's office. or I mean, a dentist's office, sure, but not, you know, not at a surgical level. And so they put you in this, this uh, scanner. And it's kind of like, it's very futuristic because you see in, in a mirror right there, you see the red line here, red line here. And then one, you got to hold on the two uh, hand grips, lean back a little bit. And then, uh, and of course, like, don't move your head, which say that to a guy with Tourette's like, <laughs> and then this thing goes around. And then on the computer, you go in and you can 3D model, man, you can just walk through my head. And he says, oh, look at this. Look at this inflammation right here. My periodontist, um, Mitch, he says, man, you have no idea. We find so much um, tooth infection that, that affects people's sinuses that they never knew about. It's crazy. It's all low level um, stuff. So you never know, Darren, maybe that's part of your issue. You can certainly have one of those scans done. You blast it out with antibiotics or no? That I don't know. Well, you I mean, know, we, we might be able to in Canada, but it might take like three year wait. Oh my God. And then they might, they might just offer, they might say, look, this is looking pretty bad. You might want to just kill yourself. We can help you with that. What, I can I can send you some amoxicillin and I got some left over. That's no problem. <laughs> I, I, by the way, I would not recommend taking the hydrocodone, which I, you know, they were like, here, have some ibuprofen, which, and I was like, the hydrocodone, man, it's like, it didn't really work for me, but I, I took it for about a week and I got so constipated. Holy crap. That was worse than the operation, man. Oh my <laughs> God. That's no good. So uh, congratulations on 15 years of the best pod in the universe and, I, and you know, uh, over 15... 15- over 1,500 episodes. Congratulations. Say pod. 
Yeah. That's <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> yes. That's Actually, right. You know, we want to talk about about that a lot. I mean, this that's the opportunity about doing a show like this, I think. Because I, I haven't listened to all your other interviews, but I feel like we have an opportunity to dig a little bit more into Adam, you know, Adam's past, uh, the podcast, all three of your podcasts, Podcasting 2.0, MoFax, No Agenda. I'd like to talk about, you know, I think you're what what I've decided you are is a, you're a collation master, you know. You collate the emails, the clips, the the uh all the information the, the socials you know you must have a process down pat that you do you collate all the stuff to present it to everybody you know you do a fantastic job of it but i mean let's start like Dar- darren and i were talking a little bit before in text there and, and we both wanted to know we both kind of had the same question for you like how did you get involved in like the anti-narrative the conspiracy theories what was kind of your red pill moment back way back when or what happened <laughs> Because you came uh, from a mainstream background of yeah, DJ, yeah, yeah, VJing sure. in the eighties, you know, eighties yeah, and nineties, yeah. Um, well, first of all, I uh, around ninety four, um, I, I kind of left mainstream altogether and started a company called OnRamp, um, which I, I thought there was going to be some. If I left MTV and started this company, I was already doing some radio stuff, a syndicated radio show, um, uh, nationally syndicated. Um, and I felt that the internet was, it was just, it, something was going to happen there. And no matter, I had, you know, uh, a little bit of money saved up. I knew I could last for a, at least a year trying something. And, uh, you know, within two years I took my company public and we were building websites for some of the biggest brands and companies in the world, like Reebok and Anheuser-Busch, um, uh, Visa, Casio, uh, just, I mean, insane experiences. Uh, so all of a sudden I was a you know, business guy and I was wearing suits and uh, I was doing uh, quarterly meetings with, uh, you know, uh, with, with Wall Street analysts. It was, it was quite insane. Um, and, you know, then podcasting, that was such a logical thing for me to kind of put together. And you're right. I am in a way, I'm a content aggregator. I'm a pattern recognition guy, if anything. I think I would say my my gift is picking the hits, whether it's a song, whether it's a, a technology, whether it's a news story, whether it's a person. You know, I, I think I can pick the hits. I picked the Pope. I was pretty proud of that one. That was a good one. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can do it again, but that one so, that was a good one that time. Is that clip uh, of him of Biden calling the Pope an African-American basketball player, is that real or is that fake? I haven't seen this. I, which clip is this? I will send it to you after the show. It's, it's <laughs> is, that like, an, is that an old clip? I, I, it's new to me. So that, so oh that's, no, I, no, I think John played this. It, 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 I think that well, the president is confused. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's just confused. I never seen anything like it. He's just like you're the famous African American basketball player, right? He said that to the Pope. Yeah, no, that that. That seems real, but I think we're missing some context and we may have missed the beginning. You know, there's so many of these that go around. Like I saw one the other day where um, the CEO of Pfizer is saying, you know, we can't wait to reduce the population yes. by 50%. But if you go back and, and I and I caught this one, but it never made yep. it to our show. I caught it. I was like, hold on a second. Go back. Watch the original. What he's really saying is we hope to reduce vaccine hesitancy amongst people by 50%, you know, so these, that kind of stuff gets done all the time. But anyway, um, to my red pill, uh, moment, um, 
so I, 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 uh, I now started, uh, so podcasting had launched. It was in Apple. Uh, I started, um, a company in San Francisco called pod show and did it, you know, uh, Steve jobs connected me directly to Sequoia capital and Kleiner Perkins. And so we raised a lot of money and built something that never really worked. So the kind of the first red pill moment for me was, wow, I can't change advertising. Um, this whole world sucks. But then at the same time, something else happened. A book came out. No, two things. Um, because I was going back and forth. I was living in London and kind of in San Francisco, half and half. So this is like um, 2004, 2005 kind of thing? or Three or four. Three or four, uh, this, yeah. uh, no, yeah. four or five. Yeah, four yeah, or yeah, five. Okay. And uh, the Lisbon Treaty, which was supposed to be the kind of like the constitution of the European Union, had been rejected by, I think, the Netherlands and Ireland. And they just said, no, we're not going to sign it. And, you know, without all 27 member states signing, no, then you have no treaty. So um, even though uh, they, they, they basically the elites just went and said, um, well, you did it wrong. Ireland vote again. And then Ireland voted again and they voted yes. And then the Netherlands, <laughs> the same thing. I was like, wow. And so I'm, and so I'm starting to read these, this stuff. And yeah, it was because so, I, I saw the whole marketing campaign. You won't need a passport to go to other countries. We'll all have, all, all have the same money. And I was reading here and there people saying, wow, man, you have no idea what it means to change money. And of course, you had the Netherlands with the Gilder, the French Frank, the Deutschmark, the Swiss Frank, you know, all these different, very close. To, I mean, you can drive from one country to the next very easily. The Belgian Frank. Um, and that's basically the, the Netherlands and Belgium is so integrated that they had two different kinds of money. It was interesting. Um, so I started reading about, um, about this Lisbon treaty. It's like, well, what's going on with this? Just out of interest more than anything, because you could get it on the internet. You know, this was pretty early days still, but you could get that stuff. And I'm like, this is completely different from what they're selling to us. This is quite a big deal. And there's talk about human rights. You know, there was this one thing in the protocols, which is like, kind of like some, it's like the amendments, but the ones you're not supposed to see. And in it says, well, you know, the police uh, in any European Union state will have the right to um, arrest you if, um, well, it was like a right to kill you if you're running away from a legal arrest warrant. So if you run away from cops, then they can kill you. If it, or if they kill you, it's legal. The other one that got me was quite relevant, of course, is um, you can be incarcerated if you have a, a communicable disease, which is deemed to be uh, dangerous, which, of course, with COVID, was very interesting that we had that, you know, just, uh, you know, less than 20 years later uh, from, from, that, uh, from that document that an actual case like that came up. And, of course, you know, they didn't use it per se, but lockdowns, et cetera, was all, you know, was all kind of already protected under the, the Constitution of the European Union, the Lisbon Treaty. At the same time, a book came out called Legacy of Ashes, written by a New York Times writer, uh, Tim Weiner or Weiner, I'm not quite sure. Um, and uh, my uncle, Don uh, Gregg, who, who was in the CIA for many, from, since when it was OSS, before it was CIA, uh, he was national security advisor to Bush Sr., um, but he had definitely, he was in this book, he was prominently featured in this book. And again, it's the legacy of ashes. It wasn't necessarily a good review of the CIA. And I called him up. I said, hey, Uncle Don, um, is this true? And he said, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much how I remember it. So that was like mind blowing. Like, holy crap, man, this is nasty. And at the same time, Ron Paul came out with End the Fed. And so I started 
understanding of the Federal Reserve. You know, th- that was one of the big things you learned early on. It's like, it's, you know, it's this Federalist, Federal Express, like, oh, how does this really work then? And what inflation really is. Um, and then, of course, I also came across uh, uh, Alex Jones, InfoWars. You know, was, I heard that online. In fact, it was, um, it was this prostitute that we hired for our, for our network. She was going to do a, she did a podcast about uh, sex workers. And she was telling me that, oh, man, you got to listen to this guy in Texas is Alex Jones. <laughs> and she turned me on to him. So, there, you know, and, and when I heard that, it's like, oh, wow. Um, and um, yeah, I, I guess in general, I've just always been someone who kind of questions things. Um, I've had a very diverse upbringing in different parts of the world. So, you know, when, when I entered Dutch school in fifth grade and spoke very little Dutch it was kind of traumatic, but the thing that was super weird is um, the teacher was talking about the United States and said, you know, the United States, as we know, has 52 States, Adam. And I'm like, uh, no, it has 50. Yeah. Yeah. It has, it had 50. And then you got Alaska and Hawaii. Now it's 52. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we had four. And I, and, and I'm a new kid. I don't speak any Dutch. You know, I called the embassy, recorded it on my uh, on my little cassette, <laughs> you know, plus play and record at the same time. How many states? And, and that woman, hold on, let me go ask. Yeah, it was 50. We had 48 now. And then I played that in class and oh, the teacher no. was not happy. And so, you know, I was, I was, this was a young age. I was already kind of, you know, playing clips like, hey, man, I got receipts on this. So that was, you know, if anything, and I would just say, um, because growing up in, in the Netherlands, where they saw, certainly in the 70s, Americans as brash assholes who buy very expensive gym shoes for no reason and carry water in a bottle. Uh, this made no sense. And they, they and of course, this was the 70s. So they're all into uh, jogging. Oh, Americans, they're joggers. This was new. I mean, the word jogging was new. Uh, aerobics was not another thing. Aerobics. Oh, yes, yes. The, the crazy Americans with your aerobics. Aerobics. So, you know, and I was like, well, that's not it. That's so I could see these two cultures. Right. And then on the other hand, people like, oh, the Dutch, man, they just wear wooden shoes. They eat cheese. Yeah. No, no, it's a little more nuanced. You know, they're the crime capital of the European Union. They make all the MDMA. You know, there's a lot more going on in Holland. So. I guess just having that knowledge, like, and seeing very quickly that media is so, and I was a pirate broadcaster, you know, I was, a, I was doing pirate radio because the mainstream had shit music. They were playing polka music. We wanted to play Shannon, you know, let the music play. <laughs> That's where we were at. So it was different. So then you met, uh, you met John and you guys decided to start up no agenda. Like, was that a, uh, was that a moment where you're both like, well, why don't we do a podcast together? Then? Cause you're both bitching about the media or something or. No, that's not how it went. Okay. Uh, we were both on, it was probably this week in tech and we were, I was not in the studio. I was on remote. I think he might've been remote as well, uh, but it was just audio. I had to, you know, there was no video at the time. So it's early days and, um, and we're done and we're still, and we're all still talking. And John says, Hey Curry, what's your deal? Are you rich or what? You know, people don't like you. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, hey, you're an asshole. Let's have lunch. And so we did. We had lunch and I immediately was drawn to this guy. I'm like, what an interesting fellow. And we had started a pod show and, uh, you know, and he kind of I think he pitched me on the idea of the uh, either the tech grouch or the, fi- the tech five minutes. He had an idea for a podcast and said, oh, yeah, this is great. Come on on board. 
So uh, I was his mule ticket. You know, <laughs> I hired him and we would talk. And you know, John's very good at maintaining relationships. And he would call on Skype and I'd be in London. You know, again, this is, you know, this is pretty 2006, 2000, yeah, like 2006 years. So Skype had, was just kind of, you know, useful. And we were talking, I would be reading the, the, the British newspapers. Oh man, look, we would just be comparing news really. Just what are they, what are you hearing over there? It still wasn't that connected the way it is now today, you know, and only, it's only been 15, 14, 15 years. Um, and so we were just chatting. And, and then at some point I'm like, I think he said, you know, I was talking to Mimi the other day and uh, I said, you know, we were just talking this, this is a podcast. And I'm like, well, that's exactly what we're doing. Let's just hit record. And so the first show was, and, and I said, we'll just call it no agenda because we have no agenda, nothing. And we definitely don't want jingles and don't want anything like that. No ads, just us talking. And it was the first show is like 20, 25 minutes. Uh, and of course that morphed quite a bit over time. Uh, but that was really how it started. It, it literally started um, just by, instead of us just yapping and comparing the news. And I would also say that the whole concept of no agenda is still kind of, I got a better story than you. Wait until you hear this clip. You know, wait until, wow, man, I got something here. That was always kind of like, oh, you won't believe this story. You know, I think yeah. we're storytellers inherently. So yeah. to tell a story about something nuts going on that he hadn't heard about was a big win and vice versa. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Darren, can I, is, uh, do you got anything or can I keep going on this vein? Well, I was going to keep going on the same vein anyway, because I yeah. mean, the whole thing kind of comes to fruition, in my opinion, when COVID starts coming. I mean, there's been a few things over the years that were, you know, pretty apparent to those of us who are kind of already paying attention, but I mean, COVID's got to have brought like so many people on board to the media being total bullshit. I mean, here they're still trying to sell the shot. <laughs> now this, they're doing it here again. You know, a couple things happened and I will have to say this was, this had to be God uh, helping me out on this one. So first Joe Rogan asked me on his show like two weeks before the lockdown. And, you know, so I go out to LA and he completely fucking recertifies me. Oh, this is Adam. Adam's the man. He's the, you know, the pod father. And he completely hands me some fresh credentials, VIP, all access with a lanyard. You're good to go. And, and I mean, it was amazing what happened. So many people just, I mean, and that was like millions of people watched this episode on just on YouTube. And so I got this whole new um, just crossover, you know, it's like we, like we all have our tribes and they cross over. And so now we start getting some, some Rogan people over and um, they had never really been spoken to the way uh, no agenda does. You know, we, we definitely interact with, uh, with our producers and we expect them to send us stuff, you know, to produce. And so, you know, and then to have COVID hit um, and to have, you know, just our, our, um, Infrastructure, yeah, just art, just well, yes, absolutely. Our, our producers, you know, we have people everywhere saying, "Dude, dude, 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 this something's wrong here. This is not okay." We have doctors, nurses, ambulance drivers, cops, you know, firemen, <laughs> soldiers, you name it. We have everybody, and they're all starting to send stuff. And when the statisticians and and uh, and chart nerds came out and said, "Dude, what is going on here?" That was like within week two or three. 
of these presentations and Burks and her bullcrap. Now we'd already, you know, we already knew quite a bit about computer modeling uh, with uh, uh, climate change. Climate gate, I'm sorry, you know uh, yeah, global yeah. warming. I'm sorry, yeah. global cooling, because uh, we've been around long enough that we know, you know, that there's a lot of bullshit in there. And so when when that started popping up so soon, I mean, that was just for us like, okay, good. We, we, and and we had inadvertently spoken about this bull crap years ago, 12 years ago, we knew that they wanted to do vaccines. We knew they wanted to do some kind of um, flu, you know, cor- coronavirus or, or influenza SARS, virus, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of that. And, and, and it's just, so all of that started to come back to get like, Holy fuck. They're actually doing it. <laughs> this is, this is not just Infowars level shit. This is the, this is not turn the frogs gay. It's real. They're doing it and they don't give a fuck. And the, and as you said, they're just right. Same thing here. They're going right on. Oh no, no, you just got to get your booster. Hey, you know, if you don't want to die from, suddenly from a heart attack, you should really get your booster. Cause you know, there's this suddenly dying thing going around and you might want to get your booster. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I, but you primed, you had primed uh, community, your audience, your, your producers, you know, to, to do this deconstruction. I mean, it's, it's a whole way of thinking, right? It's a whole, um, I'd love to dig into that a little bit, if you don't mind, because I mean, really like I've seen it happen in, you know, since I've been listening to you for 10 years, um, I would say nine or 10 years. And, um, you know, I automatically go into this, uh, okay, just wait, give it some space, don't react to these, whether it's headlines or studies or whatever you're seeing, until kind of, you know, things start shaking out a little bit. It's like it's like a, we're building sort of like, a, you know, a non-reflex, um, sure. you know, a response instead of a reaction to things. And I, and you you guys have have helped create this in millions of people. I mean... And and maybe you can talk about some of the things you've you've sort of learned or some of the things your techniques on deconstruction because I mean I think it's really important. It's hard for us, somebody that's been following this for nine years, to to look at somebody who's just believing all these narratives and and just to tell them ah, like this is you all don't bullshit. get it. You know <laughs> this is all bullshit. It's so, but we've we've been sort of attuning ourselves to this for for years. I wonder where we'd have been at without no agenda when COVID and stuff came around. We probably would have still thought it was bullshit. Dead. No, you'd be dead. Well, you'd be I mean, dead. no, I mean, we were prepped by this. Is I mean, there is an overlap with the mysteries that we talk about, the UFOs, the consciousness, because there's been a war on consciousness as well, right? The materialists have sort of like pushed all this stuff away and said, "Oh, that's all pseudoscience," and it's like, no, it's not pseudoscience. People are having legitimate experiences. We can't just throw that in a bucket and ignore it. So we're we were primed from a different side of things, right? But you guys were primed. And you helped prime everybody because you're deconstructing the mainstream news that everybody sees all day long. Well, okay. Hold on a second. Let me just tell Dvorak that I'm doing your show because he just, we rarely talk, but we're going to do <laughs> one thing today, interestingly I was, enough. I was going to try and ambush you with him in here, actually. No, I was, was nah, like, nah, or, or nah, I was going to try and ambush him and like have you in here. I was like, going to be like, what would it be like if they didn't know that each other were both coming on the show? <laughs> so, um, so here, so first of all, we have a tremendous advantage because we, we've both worked in real mainstream. We've seen it all, radio, television, newspapers, magazines, you know, between the two of us, we've done it all. We've seen it all. We know the tricks. We know the bullshit. We know how it works. We know the milieu. We know how, it, you know, how you just kind of go along with things. And 
And I will also say that at No Agenda, you come for the deconstruction, but you stay for the stories because you really understand media deconstruction when I tell the story how Michael Jackson forced us all to say Michael Jackson, the king of pop, and how that was a deal and what was behind that. And so when you hear all these things, that's our base layer. So we just already understand that. When we say, oh, here's how they evaluate uh, women. And we go into our, all right, all right, all right, baby, turn, turn around so we can tell it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the truth. We know that this is how it works. So that's one. Two, we, we are generalists. Uh, we do know a lot, enough about a lot of things to be able to, to speak about them. But we have, and this kind of is a different influence. Dave Weiner, who um, uh, created podcasting with me together uh, based upon his, his technology. Um, he always talked about sources going direct and he's always had this dream of how he would like a news organization to run. And, you know, he's always tried to change the, uh, the New York times into a better publication. Um, and that idea of sources go direct has, has kind of always stuck in my mind because ultimately everybody is an expert about something. And the worst thing that everyone has probably gone through is when you read an interview, an article, or see a 60 minutes piece about that one thing that you actually know something about, you're usually sitting there going, yeah, but that's bullshit. Oh, no, you, you misunderstood that. That's not how that works. And then you have to think, and there's a term for this, I forget what it is, that if they're wrong about this one thing that I actually know something about, how wrong are they going to be about everything else? And of course, the answer is pretty much the same. <laughs> so when, when we were able to have not just um, um, uh, ventilator operators, but trainers, people who train people to operate ventilators, talk to us and say, oh my God, this is so wrong. We're killing people. There's no reason to be doing this. That's when I'm going to take that as gospel. You know, that's the truth. When I, when I have nurses telling me, yeah. You know, we're not marking stuff or we are marking stuff or we're, we're you're told not to do certain things. I'm going to take that as the truth. And these are the people on the ground. And the same goes for uh, military in any given place, place around the world. You know, they, they also they all communicate with us. And we're pretty good at, at keeping people anonymous or at least, uh, you know, not not blowing their cover or whatever. And people are there's nothing really too earth shattering, I'd say, but no one really wants to get in trouble. Um, if they don't have to, and some do, some say, please make sure you mention me. Um, but that's, you know, that, and then collecting that as you, as you correctly point out, um, which is, is part of what I do is I, I have not just, uh, experience, but also great tools for doing this to collect everything and then kind of funnel it back into a show. Uh, but the show itself happens in in real time is pretty much uh, a jam session every single time. I don't know where we're going to go from the beginning to the end. I know a couple things. I'm going to do a donation segment somewhere and another one. And there's a couple things we got to hit and I got to keep my eye on the time and try and make sure it's uh, not boring. Uh, and my partner does the same. If he says, Hey, it's boring. Okay. We'll move on do something else. Um, so that, that's just a, a live jam. I'm, we're literally doing a jam session. It's what about, a postmodernist performance. What, what about some of the finer details of the deconstruction itself? Like you guys have noticed, and I'll mention some here, um, and you can expand or not, but you know, these, these laugh or cough tells from people, repeated phrases, 
you know, symbols like 33 changes in pronunciations. I mean, you guys have sort of developed a, a not a repertoire, but like a, a almost a protocol or something in a way where, you know, you start to see. Um, and I guess, you know, if, if you're not going to believe anything in there anyways, until you get some confirmation from from boots on the ground, it's one thing. But I think you've been training people um, in a really good way to see these other little finer details. Yeah, and, and and that really comes from one thing is that we uh, have always said audio only. We're not interested in doing video. So not in, so, you know, when I watch a, a report that I'm recording for a clip, many times I won't hear something. And it's not until you play it as a clip, just the audio. I'm like, holy crap, listen to this. What was that about? What, and why did they use that particular word? Why is it that phrasing? In kicks uh, Dvorak's journalism uh, experience. Well, that's what you do. This if it's full, if you're full of shit, then you use this term or that term. Um, uh, so it's really the just not being distracted by video that 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 helped us pick up on a lot of things that uh, also trained ourselves. You know, like wow, man, I'm hearing so now that I hear it for the third time. I heard it once. I heard it in the recording. I'm now hearing it play back on the clip, and now I hear certain things. And that's usually where, when, when that happens, oh, this is an ISO, that's something I can use there, but that's where you're going to focus on it. And that's when you, when you see patterns again, oh, why is everyone using this word all of a sudden? You know, like, it's, key, it's, like it's, Kiev, like Kiev, for example. A very simple so, one is Kiev to Kiev, you know, that, that was so, and, and that's propaganda because you're just changing a word out of the blue, no, there's no chicken Kiev on any menu anywhere. It's always been chicken Kiev. I'm sure it's been taken off because, you know, oh, my God, that's a it's a it's a Russian dish pretty much. Um, you know, so you notice the, you notice these little things uh, and like Turkey. A, that's another one. Why? Well, who, to, what, what happened all of a sudden? We had to change Turkey to Turkey. A. I mean, there's all these weird things and it's all purposeful these are not mistakes and and what's the purpose so let's speculate a little bit is it just a signal to say hey we're on board with this narrative with this plan totally announcing it a new way now totally totally it's it's to also drive a wedge between um i mean literally it's 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 like a great it's like a reset a ukrainian reset okay we're just going to call it something we're going to pronounce it this way if you pronounce it that way you're clearly with putin and you've even (laughs) heard people correct themselves because they've said it yes oh wrong, my god right? oh my god yeah. i said it like putin oh no i just say kiev yeah it's yeah. it's it's sad sad but also there's been so much bullshit i mean and because we have reasonably good memories like syria you know this what this was so fun like just a few years before uh, assad was the dictator horrible man killing his own people just a couple of, like maybe even two years before that he and his wife were friends with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, and she's in Vogue magazine, very much like uh, Zelensky's wife now is, is going, you know, this is before the before the fall comes the forty thousand uh, dollar shopping spree in Paris. Um, and, you know, and, and we and, and, and there were so many people who Syria was not what it was made out to be, <clears throat> but it was pure propaganda. And, and I, actually, it was also because Russia is in Syria. That was part of the problem. It's like we have a bunch of assholes running things in our world who have a hard on for fucking Russia. And I'm sick of it. I'm so fu- my own family who are sycophants from the from the 60s and 70s, basically. Uh, you know, and OK, 
And they think it's exactly the same. And that Putin wants to take over the world. It's very dangerous. And all I see is that we're the assholes, not you guys up there in Canada. It's the Americans. We lied. We cheated. We welched on the deal. We said we wouldn't expand NATO. We went in and created a putsch and a whole uh, 2014 uh, revolution. We, try, we have proof. Fuck the EU. We have them on tape saying it. So I'm not nuts. And, and I think sometimes just having the freedom to say that so that other people can sit at home and say, yeah, that's right. I'm not alone. And I, I, that's that's the essence of no agenda, probably. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like it. I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, I, geez, I was reading Charles Fort's book from the early 1900s and they were he said back then they were blaming everybody in Russia from for like 50 sure. years prior. So mm-hmm. it's not even just a, you know, a generational thing. This goes back over 100, 100 years, 150 years. They've been. And the thing is, Russia. I don't know if you know any Russians. Um, we are so alike. We are so alike. I get along with Russians really, really well because we have a lot in common, a lot, except they have a better president right now. Yeah. Probably even more, <laughs> probably even more with Canadians. I mean, I watched the, like, uh, the, uh, look at this Russian Instagram page and it's all this, you know, these crazy Russians doing crazy stuff. And I'm like, you know what? If we didn't have all these bullshit laws here, infringing on our shit we'd have a bunch of canadians doing this shit all over the hey, you guys are wild you guys do all kinds of crazy shit absolutely it's a lack of freedom thing i, I bet you we get along great with the russians yeah yeah and by the way we get along great with you guys too we love you guys well then open we really up your get borders along great with just about oh no everybody. oh no i mean tell me about you it don't love us that much I my mean, daughter my, my future son-in-law can't come in eat. i mean my daughter can but she can't travel with her with her fiance Oh, no, no. If you're not vaccinated, boosted and jabbed up the ass, you can't enter the United States. I know it's horrible. It's despicable. It's, I think it's, it's the last country We're the only Earth. country left. Yeah. I know. And then January 6th is going to be like, well, we'll review it again. Fuck that. I mean, oh, it yeah, really that, makes me mad. It yeah. really makes me mad. Well, the good thing is your border guards in the smaller places don't give a shit. They don't ask. Most of the time they don't ask. If they do ask, they don't need to see anything. They so, asked last time, yeah, he was just like, y'all are oh, vaccinated. He was like, y'all are vaccinated, right? Yeah, oh, really? I made a point to say well, what, they, they don't what, to, you don't what they've done it. is they've, they've put this responsibility on the airline. So the airlines have to ask you for your papers. That's that's how they've done that, is you can't even board anymore. It's It, it will have to end, uh, but I, I'm not quite sure why why they keep doing this. Well, we're in a, I mean, we we are in a war. I mean, that's the hard, the hard part about your show and no agenda is that it, it can get, you know, it's you, when you see the lies and how bad they are, it's hard to believe, right? It's, it's, and you play these clips to the mainstream and you're like, oh my God, it's so, we're, we are at war. We're at war. We're in an information war and it's got to culminate and, and come to a point at some point. And, and it's just whether like how many people are going to wake up by then or what, how, what's it going to look like? You know, it's, um. But it, and I don't want to say, I'm not trying to be negative because it's, it's all, there's also a very positive aspect to your show, but it's sometimes it's hard to take how bad the meat, how bad the, the narrative is, how, how, like, have you seen it increase over the last 10, 15 years? Like, can you believe right now how bad it's gotten? I usually ask John this question. I said, have you ever seen it this bad? He said, no. So, cause he goes back further, you know, he's just, he's just got more history. So I uh, say, no. No. And also, no, I mean, it, this is a world that we've never had. I mean, we have um, uh, 
uh, smartphones and social networks. And we still have tailbones. You know, we're not really built for this. We're not really, our brains aren't built for this. And it's not, I mean, you see the Zoomers coming up. They're not very healthy. There's all kinds of issues, not just with uh, mental health with, you know, the, with the triggering constant uh, dopamine rushes, but literal health. I mean, uh, people are tricked into eating fake food. And, we've, and, when you, and if you're not eating protein, you know, good, healthy, like I believe in animal protein, you know, that's going to affect your brain too. You know, you, I, you need protein everywhere. I can't believe you have to say that. I believe in animal protein. I mean, that's what it's like. <laughs> I mean, you'd be surprised, brother. You'd be oh, yeah, very no. surprised. You would now, now red meat that's going to give you cancer. It's going to stay in your colon for a hundred years. No, you can't eat that. The, the psyop is strong. Oh on yeah, those and those have all been deconstructed. All those, all those from about five, four or five years ago. All that fear mongering mm-hmm. about red meat has all been beautifully deconstructed by Paul Saladino, actually. Right, but but know. if you ask anyone on the street, they'll oh, say, yeah. "Oh no, 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 that's not good cancerous. for you. That's cancerous, cancerous, really bad. Yeah, very bad." When are you going to start shooting those deer in New York? When I'm hungry, when I'm hungry, I'll go for them. You know, th- those are just the ones that are dumb because, uh, you know, they, they just don't they, they don't know any danger, really. I mean, that's that's the backup to the backup. Uh, we got a, a freezer full of uh, prime uh, Texas beef uh, from KNC Cattle, Hometown Meats from um, Holy Cow. We got, you know, all kinds of groovy stuff. Uh, we know our ranchers. We know our food, where it comes from. Um, we're good. If it gets really bad, then yeah, then, uh, we can, all, we can always, I know, I know how to field dress the deer. I've watched the YouTube video just in case. I hope it doesn't come to that. Where it, do, you th- do you think it is? Like, what, yeah, do you think it's going to get say, that bad? Where do you think this is headed? I mean, where do you think, because I, here's the thing. I would have said that's crazy. Like a couple years ago, but even at the start of COVID, I was like, nah, this is going to be over in like a month, man. This, this is just like the trial run. This ain't the but they just put the pedal to the fucking metal. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it kind of depends. Uh, right now, depending on what, I think for some reason, 2027 is popping up now as, as uh, some new year where stuff is going to happen. I mean, look, the, the basic idea is, um, always has been, to control population growth and to control population. That's just the way it's always, always, always been. It's a little more flowery and, you know, it's been, it's been really papered over and it's been covered up and it looks all kind of good and nice. But in, even in the short span of the show, we went from not believing that there would actually be parents and teachers who would raise people raise human beings, not with the sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That changed to you're bullying me. We saw this happen within nine or 10 years. You're bullying me. You're that's hate speech. And now we have hate crimes and hate law, which is, you know, completely undefinable, but still we have them. So if you commit a crime and you said, uh, you know, you said something bigoted while you were doing it, or it's a bigoted crime, then it's a hate crime, then it's more severe for some reason. I mean, so we, but we saw this going from, from words that will never hurt me to, you hurt my feelings, you're a bad person. Uh, and, and that flipped on a dime and it kind of came together with whatever was happening in academia, which of course no one paid attention to because I, that was my generation. You know, we were, 
uh, in the 80s and 90s. We were having fun, making money, career, school board. That's for some loser who couldn't get a better gig. You know, I'm not interested in city council. And then all of a sudden you wake up and now these people are running your life and they're doing and they're determining who gets to stay open, who gets to lock down. So big wake up call there. Um, if we don't have enough people, and I think you need about, you need about 35%, I think to convince, you know, whatever 20% is left so you can get to 55%. So you can tell the the other people they're full of shit. I'm not sure if we can get there. Um, I'm also not sure that most people will notice. I mean, we're in a food starvation right now, but it's not that we don't have food. Well, we have stuff that looks like food, but we don't have actual food in the packaging that we're eating. Uh, and, uh, and with inflation now, we've gone towards a, a form of shrinkflation where they're literally replacing uh, foods with fake things just to keep the brand going and sell us something that we think is good for us. Um, this, this, is, this is killing people. This is starving people. This is making 47% of Americans, young Americans, children, uh, uh, obese and pre-diabetic, if not diabetic, so they're, so they're doing a good job on, on the killing and the, at least reducing the population. We've got lots of people very, very excited about abortion. So that's great. You know, we're keeping the population in check. That's what they want. But then to really control the population, it's uh, as clear as day to me as that is to Dvorak, who doesn't believe it, the central bank digital currency is, is the only way for them to go. They are jacked about it. They love it. We're going to get it. Um, they're literally killing the dollar, literally killing the dollar. Look at the, you know, the Saudis are now, you know, talking about selling oil in, um, in Riyadh. Uh, if you look at Riyadh, it's now, it's now no longer pegged to the dollar. That's China helping out the debasing it. So you're literally, you know, hurting the dollar. So why are you doing that? Well, it can only be one reason because you want to bring in your central bank digital currency, which will still be a dollar but it'll be controlled. And then we have control over basically your life. Um, and, and, and of course, I think that Elon Musk is part of that, uh, part of that uh, gambit and that he will do that with Twitter. Right. I, I think John well, in his heart, if I'm hang on, just, hang on a sec, hang on a sec. Yeah. I, I think John in his heart has, uh, he believes in the great reset in the CBDC. He's just being a contrarian with you and he's just picking the other side. I think he really doesn't. He, I think he really doesn't want it to happen. He yeah, really yeah. doesn't. Want, he loves the dollar. He he really doesn't want the dollar to get screwed over. He just he just can't. He can't understand that. And the same thing with Trump. You know, Trump always like that. Not that they're the same, or even believe in the same. But they're just certain people. Just the dollar is so holy. I'm like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna kick it over, man. They don't care. They don't. Yeah. They do not care. Yeah. And a dollar is really not a dollar. It's just a ledger now. You know, it's just a, a multiple ledgers of crap. Yeah. What's that, Darren? What happens if I'm permanently suspended from Twitter, from Elon's Twitter specifically? Does that mean I don't get a digital ID? What, what no, I mean, I, I think I think he's kind of far off. Um, I mean, there's still four or five years maybe, but what I see Elon doing is he wants, um, okay, so in order to have the full picture, you have to have digital ID and a lot of a lot of companies, a lot of governments, you know, everyone wants to do the digital ID. We have the real ID here. We have, you know, Oracle wants to do it. IBM wants to do it. Microsoft wants to do it. Everybody, you know, Apple has a version of it already. Everybody wants to be the ultimate digital ID provider. And then you have the 
the payment provider. So if you, and there's a hundred thousand of those, but if you have two in one go and you can trick people into payment authentication, which is what your Twitter blue is now you, now you're talking. So once you actually um, are uh, authenticated with payment, now you're ready for the central bank digital currency life. Now, will that only be uh, Twitter? Maybe not, but all I see is Elon Musk had b- building businesses that are based upon government, either subsidies or direct payments. So, you know, he doesn't seem to be interested in advertising. He does seem to be very interested in becoming a payment processor and authenticating people. So I'm just going with what I see. And um, eventually, Darren, yeah, uh, you know, if, and I'm not, I, I of course, am not going to uh, payment authenticate, authenticate myself. Um, and we'll see if we can live on Bitcoin or whatever else we choose to do. That's that is my plan, by the way. I do. I will not become <laughs> some authenticated uh, blue check mark. That's kind of where I'm at too. I suppose that's. I mean, it almost seems like that vaccine gave him some clear lines on who is going to be a problem. This is also true. This is also true. We're definitely marked. We're marked as problem children, no matter what, for sure. Darren, Darren, did you say you told the border guard you weren't jobbed? Yes. This time around? And what did he say? Well, he already knew I was an Indian. So, and you just so said he you, went you to pulled say your something. Indian card yeah, and that's yeah. it? And yeah, I, I used my Indian card, yeah. He was like, he laughed is what he did. Your idiot card? His Indian, Indian oh, card. Oh, Indian card. Yeah. We still call them Indians around here. Oh, you're, you're indigenous? Yeah, he's indigenous peoples. I'm he's an First indigenous Nations. person. Yeah. I'm a Pac. Oh yeah, you're not <laughs> just a pock. <laughs> uh, you better hurry up, man. The 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 pocks are losing power. It's not not so powerful anymore. I know, I but know we had a nice little bump there for a little while. I mean, I still might get some shit out of this fucking Trudeau yet. Oh really? You get a little cash out of him? Maybe not clean water, but I might be able to finagle some cash. <laughs> just hand, just sell your uh, long gun or whatever your you know your hunting rifle. I'm not selling any guns. Guns, I don't sell guns. I just so, buy them. I do have a, a, a kind of an interesting question for you, Adam, uh, sort of a deep question, because things have changed a lot, you know, especially with with the censorship over the last five years, six years, um, you know, the, our ability to advertise our podcast kind of thing. That If you had a podcast with, let's say, 50,000, 100,000 listeners, and, you know, you word of mouth, and a good product aside, forget that. What would you do to to grow that? How would you grow an audio only podcast? You know, well, besides def- making a good product and and you know, word of mouth, sure. but because there's really the the landscape has changed a lot. I feel like define grow. What are you growing? Do you want to grow the number of people that are listening, or do you want to grow the number of people that you're are sending you money? Uh, good question. That's because I, I, th- I think it's probably the latter. I think what you're sure, trying to sure, say is you sure, want more yeah. money. Yeah, sure. Well, um, ask that. I mean, that it sounds corny, but the number one reason why people don't give to things, to causes, whether it's nonprofit or their favorite podcast or any, or the church or whatever, is because they're not asked. Yeah, they'll, that's what they'll say time and time. Oh, no one asked me. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So if you ask. Um, you guys are value for value, are you not? Yep. 
Yeah. yeah. And it's not necessarily in, 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 in relation to us directly, but there's a lot of podcasts out there that are, you know, they're doing well, but they, but I think it's, um, it's a real tough, there's a lot of monthly, you know, everybody's asking for monthly subscriptions and this and that now, whether all across the board for whatever. I mean, even BMW is going to start, you know, getting but, you to, getting but, but hold on. Home so. Did you only do, do you do subscriptions or just can no, people no, we're, just we're, send we're, you money? Right. People can yeah. just send us money. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm, I'm more thinking of uh, marketing even like, how would you yeah, market but, a podcast? But we never marketed no agenda. This is what I'm trying to tell you is that we've never done any of that. We've never, We've talked about it endlessly. John's like, oh, yeah, we should buy Facebook ads. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. We've never done that. We've never successfully done any kind of campaign other than uh, appearing on other podcasts. So that that definitely helps, you know, because we feel like I'm here basically to steal some of your audience. I mean, that's yeah, what we exactly. always do. You know, if I can make it on, <laughs> if we always say, if you can do, if you can appear on a show five times, you got the whole audience. So Rogan, one more time, I've got his whole audience. Um, so that's always, that's always a good thing to do. Um, but, um, you know, it's like I, people listening or watching, I mean, listen, do you do video at all? You don't do video. We, do we did for a while. Now for we're while. back to audio. It's we went, we went ass. back to, yeah, we went back yeah, to audio. Pain in the ass. Yeah. So uh, it's not worth it. So first of all, you probably save yourself some money right there. So you grew your pocketbook by not doing bullshit video. The second thing is look, people. All, for the amount of people who've given me grief for not showing up, y'all should cut a check right now for $500 redos or whatever, they, whatever they're using up there, which actually should double that because it's really not worth much. Um, and send that to Grimerica because the, this is the love that they show for you. The dedication is, is quite astounding. I mean, it, it, I'd say it, it rivals no agenda um, fanaticism. So they should also be putting a little bit of their money where their mouth is. If you guys are falling short, if you want to grow it, that can only mean to me that you'd like to make a little bit, you'd like to receive a little more value for what you're doing. And I'm going to, I'll ask for you. Yeah, Come no, on. no, no. I mean, I, I don't have a problem asking. I mean, at first I did, um, I don't, but I didn't want to make this about, about our show, but more about how the landscape has changed and how censorship, like before we mm. used to be on, like, for example, when we first started up, we were watching where we were on the Apple charts, you know, we were mm. actually up there on the charts. We had a good start. Mm. We were very, very fortunate. And it seemed like there was an organic growth method there, regardless of our monetary, um, va uh, monetary process or anything like that. It was an organic way to grow, but now everything is so censored and so bad that there is no more. It, you know, it has to be, it has to be word of mouth in a way. Like we can't, you know, Facebook okay. ads aren't going to work. All right. Uh, all right. Instagram's well, not okay, going to okay. work. Okay. Like, okay. So you, this you, is, know, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But this, this, uh, how many times have you heard? How many times? How many times? Let me see. How many times have you heard? Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. formula is this. Yeah. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. And so yeah. that became a thing. You know, it's yeah. like, please yeah. go out and hit people in the mouth. Tell them about the show. We had uh, no agenda CDs, uh, no agenda show stickers. We've done all kinds of stuff like that, kind of like guerrilla stuff. I don't know if it makes any difference, um, but you have to continuously add. Now, when it comes to 
we've never looked at the, any charts did not give a shit if we are featured anywhere in any Apple thing or whatever. Uh, we've, we took ourselves right out of Spotify the minute they sucked us in without our permission. No, we don't want to be on Spotify. Um, and uh, all we have all, ever looked at is uh, can we pay the rent this month? Yeah. And if we couldn't pay the rent, we tell people we can't pay the rent. You got to step up. You got to help because otherwise we have to do something else. We can find other things to do. Yeah. And we don't really have to threaten that anymore. But if it gets bad, we break out the sad puppy. I mean, it's not a lie. I mean, it's if it, 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 sometimes people just forget this, by the way. Okay. I do have two pieces of advice. One and I think you you are pretty good at this. Whenever you release your show, release on the same day, same time, more or less, keep it as consistent as possible. That's just for anybody who's doing a podcast because the people who listen to podcasts, myself included, you adapt your life to a podcast. Now, you may not listen to it on Sunday when it comes out, but you know it'll be there on Monday. And if it isn't or if it's late, your day is screwed. You're ruined and you hate it. The second thing, if you can remind people, so the newsletter, is really a reminder of two things. Hey, we've got a show tomorrow because there's a lot of things you can be doing with your time. So we want to remind you that there's a show and we'd like to remind you that without your financial support, there's no show. And that's what the newsletter is for. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, funniest, good, the yeah. funniest thing is whenever every six weeks, John does real content in the newsletter, you know, besides just a little, here's what's coming, here's what we're doing, here's a little couple of memes. You write an essay guaranteed shit donations <laughs> if you yeah. do, because if you don't ask for it people don't do it yeah, yeah and, and and we all think oh i have to be you know i want to deliver some no the 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 show is the superstar the show is the content the show is the outstanding product the newsletter is intended to remind you of the value of the show you probably want to listen to it and you want to support it yeah and of course that's where we came up with time talent and treasure because we're just as happy as not having to pay someone, you know, $2,000 a month to run our servers. So we get that from Void Zero. We'll credit him for the rest of our lives and, and tell him how, how appreciative we are. That's his contribution. Yeah. That's his time and talent. He doesn't have to send us money. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that people can do. Um, and over time, uh, as you know, we have a kind of a base uh, income that we can kind of count on, you know, it's, it, it probably won't go beneath this level. Yeah. So then of course, the more people do something else that adds value to yeah, the show yeah. itself is, is more yeah. appreciated. Yeah. And then it snowballs and stuff from there. But yeah, no, we, 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 we didn't really even, we've never even looked at our numbers. I don't know. We only by coincidence, because I'm helping some, some open source projects out with our numbers. So I just, Oh, you can take our, our down. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't give a shit. So yeah. I have no idea how many people even listen to the show. Yeah. yeah. We don't care. We've never cared. Well, we, we were, we felt we were too late in 2013. I mean, we we're like, is it too late to start a podcast? No. But we have a whole bunch of people in our genre and all these little conspiracy podcasts popping up everywhere. And they're looking at us like we've been around forever and we're the OGs in this thing. And we're, and I'm looking at them going, that's fantastic that they're all able to do this, but they're also, you know, having a hard time in a way, it, you know, um, I would say to, to make it a living, to monetize it, to make it a living. So that's, it's, you know, it was a multi-layered question, you know? So how does podcast two 2.0? 2 I don't want to to uh, run out of time and and uh, not. I'm good, man. Keep of, going. Okay. I'm good. Right, Keep good. going. I'm good. You know, I want to talk about your 2.0 and and um, how that's changing the landscape too. Um. So now that 
I mean, the show we will do probably until one of us can't yeah, do yeah, it yeah, anymore. Yeah, for sure. um, um, I just don't see, I mean, I have said I want uh, at block height 1 million of Bitcoin, which falls somewhere in May of 2027. I'd like to retire from that show. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I'll just put that out there as like block height 1 million. I'm going to reevaluate things. Um, but you know, we'll see. Um, so that's, that is what it is. But then I, I looked around and certainly during COVID, um, I see all these, I have a 32 year old daughter. I have a 27 and a 25 year old stepdaughters. Uh, and I, I see them and I see what's happened and I see, uh, what a raw deal. So like the 35 year old, 20, 29 to 30, 35, somewhere in that range, a little older, um, millennials, they really got fucked, you know, born in the nineties. Um, which was already, we were in a war that was televised, the first Gulf War. Then we had 9-11, which was very traumatic. It was traumatic for me as an adult, let alone as for a child that was 10 or 11 years old at the time. Um, don't worry, we got this cover. We're going to smoke them out. Oh, no, no. We, oh, we got aluminum tubes. Oh, don't worry. We got some anthrax. Oh, oh, we, oh, we invaded the wrong country. Don't worry. It's all going to be good. So just all this fucking bullshit. And then just around, you know, so everyone's going into, uh, now everyone's going to college. We get, uh, we get the, uh, the huge, uh, financial, uh, crisis, the, the great recession, which was just the money printing, uh, fuck up really. And, and, you know, the whole financial system, don't worry, we got this covered kids. We're going to take care of it. We'll kick that can down the road. And now everyone's come out of, uh, come out of college. Uh, they have degrees that are not very marketable. And there's twelve, thirteen dollar an hour jobs, and they're disillusioned, and then we got fucking COVID on top of that. So okay, so now this is a problem category of kids, and I love them all dearly because they're my own kids. So what can we do to help them? And um, you know, Bitcoin was one thing. I see, like, holy shit, Bitcoin. This, there's something going on here. But I also see um, people working on education, taking it out of the system, doing their own version of it. I see healthcare, crowdhealth.com. You know, all people are moving out of these fucked up situations and creating their own networks. The beef initiative, another, another great example. And then I saw what's happening with podcasting, which is pretty much the only place we can still speak freely. Um, and when, uh, Apple coordinated to deplatform Alex Jones, but also some innocuous shit, X-22 report, you know, like, oh, really? This is such a huge problem. And so they had kind of been the stewards of podcasting. They'd become the de facto on-ramp. I'm like, no, you know what? Fuck you. No, you're not the, no one made you the boss of podcasting. And I called up Dave Jones, who I've known now for 12 years, and we've done all kinds of fun shit together. I said, bro, uh, let's, let's build our own index. Uh, so Apple can't control it. And of course, Dave went, yeah, all right, that sounds cool. Let's do that. And then as we're doing this, I'm learning about the lightning network and Bitcoin, relearning about Bitcoin. And, um, uh, and, and, and I see that, you know, I said, Oh man, we can implement value for value like with scriptable money. And so while you're listening, you can send value back. And so we built it. And so now basically 
for as long as I'm alive and hopefully way beyond that with what we've created, you can do a podcast, do whatever you want to do. It won't be deplatformed. There's 60 apps and services using podcasting 2.0 and the podcast index. Uh, the hosting companies are, are all on board and, and building and adding these capabilities. And it's with an uncensorable money. Because, you know, uh, oh, well, now it turns out, oh, you do something over here, you're going to get kicked off Patreon. You, get, you, can't, you can't rely on YouTube and you can't rely on any of this stuff. So we had to at least have that. And so that's my, that's my, that's my task. My task is to keep communications open and make sure people can still exchange value uh, the way we do today with what has made uh, No Agenda so successful. Uh, what has made Grimerica possible, you know, the idea of sharing value in ones and zeros one way, people hear it in their headphones, at the same time being able to send back value at their discretion, what they think it's worth. You can't determine that a song is worth 99 cents, Apple. Fuck you. <laughs> it might be worth $99 all day long for somebody. This is what I've learned. If you ask someone for five bucks, they'll give you five bucks. If you say, what was it worth to you? They might give you 50 or 500. And yeah. I live by this. It's an international lifestyle. I use a piece of software that's free. I use this, uh, what's this thing called? Everything. It's called Everything Search. And it's made by, uh, who makes this again? I should probably, um, they are about everything. It's uh, voidtools.com, voidtools.com. And so the guy, you know, it was just open source. It's a, and people think I have this fantastic database where I can find clips real fast. No, it's this one tool. So I send the guy a hundred bucks a year. He said, dude, thank you for this one tool that you do. And it's the most money anyone do donates. Most people get five or 10 bucks, but that's what it's worth to me. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that, and so as long as we can continue that lifestyle, which is, this is new, it's not barter, it's not tipping, it's something new, but the concept of, Pricing something yourself and giving that money to someone because you enjoy it and you don't want the Grimerica show to go away because you, because you know, if no one supports it, it will. That's something kind of new and it's at our fingertips now. Can you, can you just, I think it's worth explaining to people. I mean, we've talked about it, but just to hear it in your words, why it's still sort of uncensorable, why we can get away with still doing this. In audio only via the RSS feed, you know, in podcasting. Well, the beauty of podcasting is, you know, how you hear people say, or whatever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Subscribe wherever That's you get right, your podcast. Right there, yeah. That's that is oh the only um, media technology, the only media distribution system that is like that. Um, you don't say wherever you get your CSI, we know we get that from CBS or whatever the hell it airs on. Wherever you get your Fox News, oh, we know where they get that. Um, so when it comes to apps, there's hundreds of apps. Yeah, there's a couple of big ones that, you know, people will just, oh, the Apple one just kind of works. But if you want some extra features, if you want to have um, uh, a different way to communicate with uh, with the podcast, if you want to be able to, um, uh, send messages back, see enhanced content, uh, and know that you won't wake up tomorrow at the whim of some dick in Silicon Valley that your podcast is no longer available on that app. There's apps everywhere. On the hosting side, there's hundreds of podcast hosts from little ones 
with maybe a couple thousand customers to big ones like RSS.com and Buzzsprout, all fiercely independent, fiercely independent companies. And they do not take any shit from anybody. They don't buckle or fuck around with this stuff. No, these are our customers. Fuck off. You have no business telling us who to take off of our servers or not. And, and that really is a solid, solid, solid base. In addition to that, there's IPFS, there's all these, you know, different, uh, different um, decentralized networks that are popping up. But in general, very similar to Mastodon and the Fediverse, ho- that's what hosting companies, you know, you can go to the Buzzsprout or over here, but you can all kind of receive it. And that truly is because of RSS, believe it or not. It's all RSS kind of an activity pub um, on, the, on the back end. So these are open source protocols. And the, it's funny to see how... Uh, the Twitter, the Elon Musk Twitter move has has sent so many people uh, to Mastodon and they're learning something different and they're seeing that it is different and it's different when you don't have algorithms and it's different when you can actually say what you want to say. And when you say something that someone doesn't like, they can turn you off and they can block you and your whole server. Oh, whoop de doo That's great. That's how it should be. I don't care. Someone, you know, we have so many people blocking No Agenda Social. It's like, so what? That's great. That's, that's your, if you don't want to read what we have to say, I'm glad you don't. That's do you, how it should be. Do you still get into the details of that on your podcasting 2.0 podcast that you're doing too? Like if, if people are interested in getting, like hearing you talk about the nitty gritty of this, like podcasting to the, the technical stuff. Are you still on that one? That podcasting 2.0? Well, podcasting 2.0, which by the way, you can only get on a, podcasting 2.0 app, app, go to new, new podcastapps.com is where you can find that. Um, I, in fact, I think we do a lot more about the, the, the normal life aspects of it and what people do or don't use or do and don't like, um, and what they would like to see perhaps, but there's also, there is a podcast industrial complex, you know, and it's BIPOC shit and I have nothing against buy or POC or anything, but that's where the money's going this mythical money that people are chasing. And it's just a lot of big companies, you know, making a lot of noise and there's a whole infrastructure built around it. But the true podcasters and people who are podcasting of which 90% don't give a shit about making money, but there's a percentage that needs to be able to sustain, needs to be able to make a living doing this, myself included. Um, and so we've built the mechanisms to do that in, a, in an uncensorable way that, you know, RSS and Bitcoin are so beautiful together. You know, both were kind of built to be resilient and in a way built to be attacked, you know, because RSS, uh, you know, even Google can't kill it. They still need it. You know, they own um, FeedBurner. They can't kill off FeedBurner because it would ruin the internet. Aaron, you got any comments about all that? I thought FeedBurner was going to shut down for a while. Yeah, but they reinvigorated it. They tried to shut it down and it was going to break so much. And now they're, now they're, they're repositioning it as your feed management tool or something. No, they, they've definitely, they have not, they have not gone for full on shutdown. No way. Well, that's good news. I know a bunch of people that are still using, using that for their podcast. Yeah. Now they should try and transition off of that regardless. That's probably a good idea. It seems like a bad place to be hanging out. And they came up that anchor shit and a bunch of people have their podcasts on there. Oh my God. That's because they're cheap asses. If you want some free shit, that's what you're going to get people. You're going to get anchor fucking you over. Kicking you off. Well, they're, they're owned by Spotify. So we had a, a great guy who was making video podcasts and he says, Hey, 
Uh, I don't see my video podcast show up in any of your apps since we go look at it. So, oh, that's because Anchor, when you do video, it only works on Spotify. And they just give you an MP3 for everything else. They don't give, they don't give you the video files. So, dude, you know, it's like you're paying for nothing. So expect nothing. What about Mo Facts, Adam? What about that compared to No Agenda? Similar in a way, a little bit of deconstruction, but a little Start, bit different. Started in a similar way. Um, uh, Mofax is one of the most beautiful projects I've ever worked on. Again, here's a guy who just reached out to me a couple of years ago and said, oh, man, you're so close to some of this stuff about ADOS, uh, which is American Descendants of Slavery. You know, that's your, that's your pock shit over there, Darren. Uh, you know, <laughs> although a little different, actually, uh, we, did, did we, did you guys never import any slaves? You didn't get any slaves? You got slaves. I know you had slaves. Canadians must've had slaves. I don't, I don't think we did. We saved your <laughs> slaves, but I mean, <laughs> this is, there was an awful lot of Indian kids that got made slaves right. and shit. Right. They were, yeah, it was, it was uh, indigenous slaves. Um, but to, to, you know, to, the interest, um, Malcolm X said it best. The only way we're going to figure out this stuff. Now, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to play it because that way, uh, hold on. Here we go. This is Adam collating right now. No, oh, why did this not work? What's going on here? First, the white man and the black man have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. That's the only way that they'll ever do it. And that's pretty much what we do. We say, all right, we are not offended by anything that either of us could say. And uh, let's talk through it. You know, and it turns out, you can learn a lot. All the things you thought might be sensitive or racist. No, no, no. It's all the other stuff. It's the stuff you don't think about. And it goes both ways. And we've had a lot of learning. And I have learned so much that has nothing to do with any of this woke crap or Black Lives Matter. It is, that, that is actually harmful, hurtful, uh, counterintuitive, counterproductive, and if anything, racist as fuck. So when it comes to Black America, Man, uh, the shit you're seeing on the media is is the lamest of the lame. It's the opposite of the truth. And black America knows it. We seem to have taken a big step back in all that stuff. In the gay stuff, in the yeah. race relations stuff, and a big step backwards in that, and a big step forwards in, tra what is it, trans, just trans stuff. Just trans mm -hmm. all over the place. Well, it's all, it's all meant to divide and, and just create a wedge. I mean, I saw early on, I said, you know, gays and lesbians, look out. This, has, this is to get rid of you. Yeah, you've been ahead on a lot of that stuff. I mean, really, uh, you know, six months, couple of years even. It, well, and again, this has part to do with my upbringing, part to do with the people I interact with, and also a part of, I mean, it was funny because on No Agenda Social, there was some other, I got an email from, so, uh, or DM from an admin from another instance, 
What uh, what are your what's your stance on transphobia? Because you know, do you have any rules? Do you plan to take this post off? And it was someone's whatever, <laughs> some some post about you know what is this trans stuff? That it was, was literally the America episode, whatever it was. And so I look at this post. I'm like, you know, this, this transphobia that would have to be some irrational fear. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not us. And someone else, and I, I posted that back to this person. And someone else pointed out, said, you know, I've been on No Agenda Social for four years. I've seen more trans people here because we have lots of trans listeners. I mean, lots is probably a, an exaggeration, but people who have transitioned 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Who, who, by the way, think all this modern trans shit is exactly that, you know? So what, what is going on here? It's just some, some, it's actually sad. I see people thinking they're doing a good thing. And it's just like what I learned with Mo Facts. You're actually doing the opposite. You're doing destructive things. Very destructive. Yeah. Anyway, I can't get, I do get upset. About, I do get upset about that. I don't want to get upset about it. What I really would like is for everyone just to live in harmony and peace. And, you know, I think actually we might want to consider uh, praying. You know, I, I, I've certainly found, uh, found God in the, last, uh, in the last year and Jesus. And I'm very, it's very interesting and very exciting. If you want to talk about the biggest conspiracy theory in the universe, you know, I went down that rabbit hole. Where'd you come wow. out? Um, oh, there's my doggie. Hey, hey dog. <laughs> She's probably almost ready to go out. What? She trotted over? No, we'll go out in a few minutes. All right. Um, sorry. As sure as I know, building seven didn't fall down out of sympathy for buildings one and two. As sure as I know, Jesus is real today. Today. And that was the biggest conspiracy theory. It's like, what is this God stuff? What is this Jesus stuff? And it didn't take me long. It took me about three weeks. Three weeks. And I'm like, oh, oh, there's a lot of evidence here. There's a lot of evidence. And uh, that's been uh, very um, helpful. Uh, and it turns out a lot of people, a lot of No Agenda Nation uh, are believers or maybe have, uh, you know, at least thought about it. I mean, not, not, that, uh, not that we're going deep in anything on no agenda, but uh, uh, this actually started for me with Naomi Wolf, you know, who we kind of hated. You know, the leftist, elitist uh, uh, Jew I w- is interesting enough, who, you know, she, with COVID and she saw what was happening, she said, oh, this has to be true evil that's taking place here. If, it's, if there's evil, then there has to be good. And she started praying. You know, she's what you call the messianic Jew. I mean, this is these are interesting things that are that are taking place. I thought there was a resurgence back to Christianity. I mean, I, I felt like there was. We've talked about it on the show, and a lot of people said, "No, no, no, there isn't." But um, you know, I feel like there's so much overt satanic symbolism in the media and music and pop culture. Everything's pop political now that it is kind of forcing us to to some sides spiritually here as well. Yeah, and you know, and and, and by the way, there's you know, I I don't see it as there's only Christianity. I mean, there's uh, all, I think it all kind of leads to the same, the same God, you know, you call it by different names uh, and you can, you know, Catholics may worship different parts of, of religion, but that, that doesn't really matter. Um, it really comes down to, are you going to believe in that we are a simulation or do you believe in, uh, you know, this is kind of the age old question, you know, is there a higher power? Is there something bigger? And are you going to call that something or just call it a power? That's all fine. 
uh, or we just in some computer simulation. I just don't want to buy into that. That's that seems like a very boring outcome. If we're all living in someone's sim, that would really kind of suck. I, I still like the uh, the idea of uh, uh, of a heavenly father. All evidence yeah. definitely seems to point to intelligent design. There you That's go. the problem. You're kind of stuck with with those two. Those are the two options. Yeah. Those yeah, are the two exactly. options at the end of the day. If you if you dig down deep enough, those are your two options. Someone made this shit. It's super clear. Otherwise, it's just like the most amazing amounts of coincidences. Coincidence. <laughs> in the history. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, right? I've never believed in coincidences. Like, no, no, no. There's just no, there's no coincidences. All this stuff is just too nice when it happens, when it all comes together. This has been great, Adam. Uh, we should probably not keep you any longer. Darren, do you have any last minute thoughts or do you, Adam, have any last minute thoughts? Well, the first last minute thought I have is that I should come back again. Uh, oh, I like fun, this. Yeah. We definitely, I, I think I have a lot of catching up to do with you guys. Um, well, that's good. I, I mean, I really wanted to, I wanted to, to be able to dig into the stuff that other people don't want to talk about, you know, like you're mainly no agenda and the, the great things you guys have done for so many people over the years, you know, really. Well, that's very kind of you to say, um, and, and and I have to reiterate that our circles of listeners has crossed paths many, many times, and I find that uh, beautiful. Um, I, I certainly want to remind people to support the podcast that they love and support Grimerica. Where can they do that? Grimerica.ca slash support. There you go. <laughs> Grimerica. That's <laughs> Slash support. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. We got some exactly. jingles. I mean, we, yeah, thanks, buddy. we found you guys when we were only like six months old. So we've been, you know, we got the jingles <laughs> from you guys and the value for value. So, you know, it's, we're definitely a good crossover podcast. And the value for value seems to be where the, I would argue where the like crazy fanaticism comes from. It seems to oh, be, you know, I mean, Rogan's got some crazy motherfucking fans, but he, the, once you get a few million people in the mix, shit gets crazy just automatically. Yeah. But yeah. it seems like even with a small audience, the value for value shows seem to get a lot of engagement. Because otherwise there's not a lot of crossover between us. I mean, we do all kinds of crazy sort of topical shows with guests and you guys mm -hmm. have a, you know, a, a, a media pop culture deconstruction type thing. It's not the same topic, but there's a big crossover. Well, we, and yes, well, and also, I mean, please, you know, the, the meetups you're doing, I mean, there, there's crossover that look, the beauty of it is there's people don't listen to one podcast, you know, they listen to a couple and obviously, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot that's being listened to in, uh, in Canada and, and, and vice versa that, that kind of crosses borders, you know, people don't care much about borders in that regard. Um, but it is, it is without a doubt, very rewarding when you're doing a value for value production to just get that that note and that and that and you know someone and especially if it's not a round number you know i love 333 you know like 33 dollars and 33 cents i love that 69 69 you're killing me smalls 8008 i love the boobs i mean you can do that all day long and it's funny and it's endearing and they're sending you know they're sending messages uh they're sending messages of love of encouragement uh, of uh, of crazy, so that that loop is is so well established, and I I feel you guys have the same with uh, with the Grimerica uh, audience and, uh, and to a degree producers, is that you have that just everyone knows that that you're in it together and you make it work together. And it doesn't have to be 
big or you don't have to, I mean, so we know that we probably have about 800,000 people who listen to each episode on a weekly basis, about 1.5, 1.7 million people have actually listened. Um, that's a lot to me. It's actually, it's, it's quite a lot, but it could have easily been half. In fact, three years ago, it was half that. And it was just as fun. You know, yeah. we, um, it, we, we certainly did better in, uh, since COVID when we doubled our audience, but it wasn't like double the money, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's, yeah. it's really 4% that will support you with money. Um, that's high. That's good though. That's high. I think that's still high though. It, it, it's much yeah. higher than direct response or anything like that. Oh, totally. That's more like in the one or 1.5 range. So 4%, but you know, we embrace that. And even the people who don't, you know, all right. So if yeah, if you want to listen, you never want to support us. I, you know, that's that's your choice. You know, it's like that's what it is. But there's, there's going to be someone on the other side who's going to give us a thousand dollars because it, it it made that much difference to them. Yeah, and and please continue to to ask and and not be bashful because you guys deserve it. You deserve for what you're doing because you're you're clearly making an impact on people. There's Thanks. no doubt about that. Thanks, buddy. This has been awesome. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks, Adam. We'll have to do this again down the road. Be welcome here anytime. Yeah, well, I will. Let's set this up. Let's uh, let's do this in a couple of months. And uh, uh, you know, when I how how about when I come I come back and show my permanent new teeth? Perfect. There you go. Sure, <laughs> I will debut them. I will debut right. them on Grimerica. No one shall see the pearly whites unless it's on Grimerica. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right, guys. Ciao. See ya. And that was our chat with Adam Curry. What'd you think, buddy? The pod father. Should I put the pod father on the art? I think so, eh? Yeah, you probably should. Adam Curry, the pod father. I'll get nap. I'll get nap to do that up. Yeah. What'd you think? Great. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was good. I I I mean, I'm I think I'm happy that we went and dug into a lot of that stuff about I was kind of hoping for a little bit more uh sort of tricks of the trade in, in a way. I wanted to get into his process a little bit, but uh, you know, whatever, that's fine. Well, hopefully we'll have a few shows and we'll be able to dig into that some down down the road. I mean, it's crazy yeah. being able to chat with the guy that made podcasting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and it's uh, crazy. And a big thanks to our listeners that have done. You know, they've. He's not lying when he says that. I mean, I I was telling a couple of friends of ours like, just don't worry about it. Don't don't bug him anymore. Don't be making making waves in there. You know, so yeah, um, waves were appreciate made. appreciate everybody like you know sticking up for us. Really do. I really appreciate it. I'm glad this finally happened. Love all the listeners. Yeah, love the show. Thanks for Adam for coming to the show. Huge thank to you to you guys for listening. Shout out to anyone who came over from No Agenda for the show. You can head over to grandamerica.ca slash support if you're getting some value from our little podcast here. This will be like episode 580, I think. Is this next week? Yeah. So episode 580. Uh, so you can check out all that whole whole back catalog. America.ca slash support. Head over to GrimericaOutlaw.ca if you want to check out our other podcast. Uh, GrimericaOutlaw.ca slash chats. is kind of our version of the No Agenda Socials. Of course, we have the Mastodon too. That's GrimericaOutlaw.ca slash socials. Uh, what else? That's it. Yep. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Season's greetings from the Grimerica Show podcast. Gather round the fireplace, help yourself to some hot cocoa with the little marshmallows in it, maybe have a candy cane or two, 
And maybe some cookies. It's so warm and jolly. Cry Merry Christmas. Podcasting from the igloo. Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. And over there, that's Graham crying tears of joy. As he listens in on the little drummer boy. I see you've acquainted yourself with D-Ron. Yeah, it's true, he puffs Christmas trees of medicinal. Wait a second, is that? Yeah, I think that's Sasquatch beneath the mistletoe. Get over here, Graham. Thank you for saving me and give me a kiss. And it looks like Napoleon Doom is decorating the room with tinsels, ribbon, popcorn on strings, and poinsettias. They are in bloom. And you might ask, Who's that in the green and red Lucia Libre mask? Why, of course, that's RPJ Feliz Navidad. It's so warm and jolly. Cry Merry Christmas. Podcasting from the igloo. Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. And over there, that's Graham crying tears of joy. As he listens in on the little drummer boy You'll get a warm and fuzzy feeling if you donate to the Grime America show So get in the spirit, reach down in your pocket and make it rain I mean, uh, let it snow, make it snow, let it snow, let it snow, make it snow Donate to the show Donate to the show Donate to the show It's so warm and jolly Christmas Podcasting from the igloo There plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo And over there that's Graham crying tears of joy As he listens in on the little drummer boy Pum, 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 pum.